All right, this morning we are in Luke chapter 1 yet again. We're going to be in verses 26 through 45 today, and we're going to look at the story of Mary in so many ways. Uh, last week we looked at Zechariah's uh, story beginning in verse 5 of, of Luke 1, and what we saw is, is this really beautiful picture of God's remembrance of his people. And not only that God remembered Zechariah and Elizabeth in their barrenness, but also he revealed himself to them. And then perhaps the most beautiful thing that, that came out of that story is the recognition that in the silent times, in the times of pain, in the times where we wonder where God is, we get to see that God worked in the midst of of the silence in their life, and he does so in ours. Today, we're going to look at the story of Mary in verses 26 through 45, and we're going to see three things that God does. As God continues to work in this story, people are arriving on the scene, anticipating the birth of our Savior. Look at how God is working. In Mary's life, we're going to see this, that God comes to her, and as a result, God comes to us. That God comforts her, and as a result, he comforts us. And then finally, that God calls her to himself. And we're going to see today how God calls us to himself as well. Luke chapter 1, beginning of verse 26, says this. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Together we say, thanks be to God. Look back to verse 29, and you're going to see something really incredible. So, so angels play a big part in the enunciation of the coming of Jesus. 
An angel came to Zechariah in the temple when he was doing that temple work, when he was burning the incense to give him the truth, the reality of what was going to happen, that John, the forebearer, the one who had the spear of Elijah that would come before Jesus, that would tell of the good news of Jesus even before his arrival, was going to be born to he and Elizabeth, people who were in old age, people who were barren, people thought that this was totally, utterly, absolutely impossible. So an angel came to Zechariah, and again, now here we see the angel Gabriel coming to Mary. And he uses a phrase that I think might be one where I would do what Mary did, which the scripture says, discern what sort of greeting this might be. Because he says something like, out of Star Wars, basically. Right? Or, or, or some weird medieval place. Greetings, O favored one. What in the world is this talk? Not hello, Mary, or, or, or don't be alarmed, Mary. That part's coming. But greetings, O favored one. And before we get into all that, that means, I want you to look at verse 29 and look at her response. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. What sort of greeting this might be. Now look, quite often we place ourselves and appropriately so, to discern what it would be like to identify with this person in this circumstance, in this story, we place ourselves in biblical stories, right? We say, what would it be like for me to interact with an angel? What would it be? And I think when we do that well, we should find ourselves in places of humility, with great grace for people that had lights and blinding lights of angels come to them directly. I think I might be in the same spot where I'm trying to figure out what this is all about. What, what is this greeting? Mary's reaction, her first reaction to this news, this good news, is deep fear. It's fear. I want you to think about this. How often has the Lord come to us? The Spirit come to us seeking to minister our heart or perhaps even convict us or, or bring, bring news of God's providence in our life. And our first response is fear. Sometimes it's a really healthy thing. It brings out the humility, the recognition of our brokenness. But there's an even deeper truth, even for Mary in this moment, one who is trusting in the Lord. She recognizes the power of God's presence. But as the story moves on, she's brought to deeper realization. The angel sees her trouble, sees her fear, and says to her, do not be afraid. For Mary, you have found favor with God. And you're going to conceive in your womb. You're going to bear a son. This is going to be Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of the Most High. And all these words that we read from Isaiah, all these words that come from the Psalms, they will all ring true. That he will sit on a throne eternally, forever. His kingdom will have no end. And Mary's next reaction, even at the realization of these things, is, how in the world can this be? How is this possible at all? 
And I love the truth of, the, of what we sang this morning when we sang good news and that line that Aaron sang, that, that the scriptures are written line by line. And Luke, with deep intentionality here, wants to record for those who are reading this account. And you look back into Luke 1 up at the top. If you've got it on that page there, you can, if it's on the right page, you can look over the left. Luke 1 in verses 1 through 5 and verse 3, he's talking about Theophilus, the one to whom he's writing this letter. The, the person and the people subsequently that will receive it, he wants them to have what he calls an orderly account a deep truth, a serious recognition for these events. That these indeed are, yes, stories, but moreover, they're actually accounts of historical things that actually happened. And it's really important that in this line-by-line mode that he's in, this powerful sense in which he wants to record the truth, he says and makes very clear that Mary has not conceived in a natural way. He's really serious about this. He wants to point this out, that this is a miraculous thing that is happening. She says in verse 34, how will this be since I am a virgin? And then the response is that the Spirit will come upon you. A couple of things have happened in this moment. First, we've gotten Mary's reaction that God has come to her. Mary's reaction that that an angel of the Lord, and you remember back in, 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 the chapter, in the earlier portion of chapter 1, the angel coming to Zechariah, he announces that he's been in the presence of the Lord. This is very truly the Lord coming to Mary in the form of, of an angel, taking an angel as messenger and saying, I'm coming to you, I'm greeting you with this good, good news, and her reaction is fear. But as the story moves on, you begin to see her start to have some realization about these things to the point that she has this incredible response in verse 38. It would seem that the angel's final words to her in this moment are, for nothing will be impossible with God. That's the ringing truth. That's the thing that she's left with. In this moment, this scenario where she's experiencing and quite naturally great fear because an angel Something truly otherly has come to her and is communicating to her. She's not anticipating this happening. There's no sense, there's no way in which she knows that this is coming. Her reaction is fear. And yet at the realization of all of these things, Mary is deeply drawn to one simple response. And this is what she says in verse 38. Behold... I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And if you're anything like me, you hear Paul McCartney ringing in your head right now. It's tough to get out. This is what she says. I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. What does all this add up to? What does this mean? Because quite often we read these stories and they are narratives. And so this is for us quite truly more than in a sense to just kind of take every single word. And what does that word mean? What does that word mean? Something that, quite frankly, I'm akin, I love to do that. But more than just a true instructional piece, this is a story of, of, of linear events, things that took place. So, so what do we do with it? What are we meant to see in this? Well, one thing um, is to see that the way that this announcement takes place is really consistent with other places in scripture. If you look to Zephaniah chapter 3, 
Zechariah chapter 9 or Joel chapter 2, you're going to see this pattern of this rejoicing that's stated from an angel. You're going to see this address, this kind of proclamation of this is going to happen. And then you're going to see that there's not only these things, but there's a reference to action. There's something that the person who's been addressed with this good news, with this greeting, is really called to do. Quite frankly, this is the story of all of Scripture. God would come to Abraham to greet him, to tell him of the things that were to come, and he was called to trust in what God had promised, that he would be the father of nations. We can take a Hebrews 11 approach and and really walk through this in every facet of all of the scriptures that God has come with good news, rejoicing promise and proclamation, and it's the call of his people to act. What Mary's story reveals yet again for us is that number one, God comes to us. But you think about that language that's around Mary, that that the angel says, greetings, O favored one. It means, O blessed one. It means to be placed not only just in a position of privilege, but one who enjoys goodness on behalf of another. Even here in this moment, grace is the story. The fact that she found favor with God is not such that she went and discovered it. It's not that the scripture is saying that she has been found righteous because of her actions. And as a result of that, she will now be the one who bears Jesus. That is not what the scripture is saying. This phrase, found favor, means that she's discovered this. She's come to the realization of what God alone could do for her. This is not something that she could do on her own. Instead, this is a proclamation. This finding favor is not about what she's done. It's about what's happened to her. It's why we talk so much here and why we believe that the scriptures are about the gospel, the good news. This is not something that could be or might be. Instead, we're saying, the scriptures are saying, they're screaming that this has happened to you. And that life is different as a result. I had a day yesterday where things happened to me. Anybody else have one of those? Like stuff that was beyond your control, outside of you. And you experienced in in the very real reality of your own life things that you didn't choose, things that you didn't make, things that you didn't cause. And quite frankly, if you like control like most of us do, you're like, the things that I decided were pretty good and all the stuff that happened to me wasn't really what I picked. But thanks be to God. There's a good news announcement about the thing that has happened to us that changes everything. And it's the coming of Jesus. The story of Mary shows that God comes to us. And not only do we see his heart in his pursuit, in his action of coming to us, 
those who are broken, who can't come to him, we also see the intent and the very heart of God in this story. Because God not only comes to us, but God comforts us. Look at what the angel proclaims to Mary. The very heart of God is seen in this moment. Behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Deep words of comfort resound in this passage to reveal the very heart of who God is. He's not one who just pursues and comes to us. That alone should be enough. But in his pursuit, he comforts us. The angel reiterating to Mary and saying, don't be afraid. Don't fear. You've found favor with God. God has blessed you. God loves you. He cares for you. He comforts those who can't see the work that he's doing. For nothing will be impossible with God. These are the resounding words of truth, not just for Mary, but for you and me. Because you will find yourself in moments in life where you've seen God's faithfulness, you've seen him move, you've seen him work, and yet you will see something that you believe to be impossible before him. He's been faithful in the past, but can I really trust him? I've seen what he's done, but could he also do this as well? The good news that we're given in this passage is that God comforts us in his ultimate power, in his ultimate sovereignty, in his ultimate care for his people. God has not come to us to leave us alone. God does not come to us and say, I've done this, you figure out the rest. No, the good news is that nothing is impossible with God. He's one in whom we can have complete trust and complete faith. And we see the third thing that happens in Mary's story is that God comes to us, he comforts us with the deep reality of who he is, that nothing is impossible with him. And God also calls us. Because God's comfort is truly calling. It's calling. It's hearkening us. It is truly the opportunity, as, as Paxton taught us earlier through this incredible old hymn, Hark the Herald Angel Sings. It's listen. It's look. It's give your attention. It's heed this truth. That formula of the rejoicing greeting and the presentation, the proclamation of what's happening in this moment to Mary calls her to action. There's something that this news means for her. What's happened to her elicits, it warrants, it begs a response. And this is it. Look down into verse 38 and see what she says. Behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. 
I want you to think about the power of that. She says, I'm a servant of the Lord. She says the object of her deepest desire is not for herself. Now it is to please the Lord. She lives in service to him. That's her goal. That's her life. That's her purpose. Where does the trust come from? Where does the belief come from to do that? Look at what she says. Let it be to me according to your word. Think about the power in that trust. Relinquishing oneself and saying, let whatever happened to me happen to me according to your word. It honestly tells you something really deeply true about what she knew God's word to be. And even in this moment, the word of the Lord that came to her from this angel, it was this. She believed that God's word will always proclaim that grace comes to us. How can we say, let it be according to the word of the Lord? How can I give up control in my life? How can I be one that responds to the call of God and say, God, if you want me to do it, I'll do it. We love the notion of standing up to the call and receiving it and longing to complete it. I used to do this thing in my driveway when I was a kid where I'm like shooting free throws at the basketball goal, right? Like alone, 10 years old, like a pretty poor shot, I might say. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make free throws, right? Because, you know, we got an RA basketball game coming up and we have to crush these other brothers and sisters in Christ. I never was just shooting free throws. I was always dreaming. I'm always pretending it's the final four, you know. There's no time left on the clock. I've been fouled. We're down one, and i got to make two, right? There's something in us where we love to, to rise to the challenge, where we love to rise to the moment. Spiritually, I think we really struggle in this moment for two reasons. One, we think that when God comes to us and God comforts us, that his calling is for us to do something out of our own power. And that's not true. The call of us to obey is to trust in, to rest in the effectual work of Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection for us on our behalf. But here's the other thing. That desire to let it be, to be one who's faithful, to stand up and accept and receive the call means that we have to believe that truth of who God is, that according to his word, that everything in it is for us, it's grace to us, it's mercy to us, it's faithfulness on our behalf, and it can't just be for a moment in the past, it has to be for the here and now. You know what the challenge is for us as believers is? It's to recognize that this is still good news for us in every single moment of our life. That it's still good news. God's come to me. God's comforted me. And now he's called me. 
There's a response. I can't stay the same. Bonhoeffer would say it this way. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. So how do I rest in this? How do I trust in this? I believe the good news yet again. That what God has said he will do. That he has fulfilled every single promise. You and I will find ourselves in lots of situations. We can obviously say we'll never find ourselves in one like this. But it's important for us to see. God is at the center of the lives of his people. Zechariah and and Elizabeth were ones who, if not felt forgotten, definitely struggled to see that God remembered them. And yet finally they saw. God God remembers us. He reveals himself. He revealed himself to us in an angel. He was the one who worked in the silence. God's doing that in our lives too. He remembers you. So much so that when you look at the life of Mary, you can't help but see that God is the one who comes to us. He comes after us. And he comforts us with this truth that nothing is impossible with him. And he calls us to follow him to rest in him, to trust him. What does that look like? It looks like sharing your life with your neighbor. It looks like inviting someone to take part in in something your family would do. It looks like, like, like helping people in your community. It looks like giving generously to those in need. It looks like all of these things. How do I do those things? How do I answer the call? Will you do it in this way? Obediently, because Christ has been obedient when you couldn't be. Faithful to the best of your ability because you're resting in what he's done for you, not what you got to do for you. And joyously, because he came to you, he's comforted you, and he's the one who's calling. Could we be people like Mary who respond in obedience and recognize that we're blessed not because of what we do, but what God has done on our behalf? If you will, pray with me. Heavenly Father, you have indeed come to us. You've come to your people when we had no way to get to you. Father, our sin separated us. Thanks be to God. You've given us yourself. You've given us your Son the Son of the Most High, who reigns forever, eternally. Father, your Son, Jesus, gave himself on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. Father, for this we are thankful. This humble, lowly estate, this place to which he came, 
to people who would seem like nobodies. Father, you came. You comfort us with the reality of who you are and what you've done for us. And Father, you call us now. Would you cause us to be obedient because of what you've done for us in Jesus? We pray these things in his name. Amen.